a production of Pioneer Utility Resources. Heart of Community is supported by the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust, helping community-focused organizations across the Pacific Northwest sustain their missions. Because when a powerful idea fulfills its promise, lives are changed, communities thrive, and our entire region prospers. Learn more at MurdochTrust.org. Stories have a way of binding generations, and often music is the vehicle for preserving and passing along those stories. The art form that today we call traditional music has its origins in places like Ireland, Scotland, and England. The tunes tell the stories of families and communities, of murder and love, of death and new beginnings. Caitlin Warbelow is more than a practitioner of that tradition. She's a torchbearer, a committed adherent whose passion for the traditional music has taken her from Alaska's snowy wilderness to the stages of Broadway. And it's Warbelow's dedication to the music, its artists, and its fans that led her to create an online platform that brought help and hope to people across the world during the pandemic. Alaska is a place of beauty and danger, of inspiration and challenge. It was against this backdrop that a young Caitlin Warbelow discovered her spirit of adventure, her commitment to her fellow man, and her love of music. Alaska is um, probably my favorite place that I have ever lived and um, continue to visit in my adult life. Uh, I love probably foremost that there's a ton of open space. (laughs) There's not a ton of people and the people that do live there are um, extremely kind and adventurous and generous and those are qualities that I try to take with me even in the big city where sometimes those things aren't found so much. Um, but I think the, the wilderness aspect to it is, is so important. I often tell people that um, living in Alaska, it's almost always potentially a survival situation at any moment. So, um, you know, growing up there, we, we always knew that if there was somebody who had run off the road or somebody who was uh, stuck in a snowbank or somebody knocks on your door needing help, you, you always open up your, open up your door and um, give them whatever they, they need um, so I think those are, to me, some, some qualities of Alaska just, just right off the bat that really stick out to me and that I try to uh, carry with me wherever I go. And though Warbelow now spends most of her time in New York as a professional musician, her home state still influences her. I have always found value in being in situations that are uncomfortable or that are difficult. I, I think it reminds us that um, you know, the comforts of daily life that we're used to, especially if we live in a big city, um, those things are kind of a mirage. They can go away at any time. I suspect during the, during the pandemic, people have realized that more than they did in the past. But Alaskans have always known that um, the, the illusion of, of comfort and security is, is always at the forefront of the mind. And it's good to, it's good to get out in that sort of uh, scenario and just experience that for yourself and kind of think about what is important and who is important and what you can do you know, to be prepared for situations that you might not see coming. Mimi Chapin of Fairbanks, Alaska, knew Warbelow as a child and recognized her talent. As a musician, she is incredibly talented. She has the classical training that um, that a lot of 
children in Fairbanks received by learning from the Suzuki method and then eventually uh, playing in a classical orchestra here in town and practicing long hours doing that. She has the technique and she's managed to also soak up the the spirit of Irish music and she's won some incredible competitions in Ireland for her playing. I guess I don't remember the moment where it happened, um, but I what I do remember is that my mom would obtain recordings for me um, either on tape, you know, when I was very young, or on CD shortly thereafter. And I just I just loved the fiddling. The classical stuff was more like work to me, and I knew that I had to do it to get the the technical skills I needed. But the fiddling I actually loved doing, and I would kind of lock myself in the room and learn, you know, learn a whole CD worth of tunes at a time. Um, so that's that's where I, I got my love for it. The strange thing is that I don't have any, um, or I don't have much um, family heritage uh, in in the Celtic Isles. Uh, my mom's last name was Wallace, which is Scottish, but I, you know, I'm kind of an American mutt through and through. So it didn't come from a family connection. It just came from a genuine love of the of the music that I was hearing when I was young. While she was intrigued by Irish music in general, it was the work of famed fiddler Kevin Burke that captivated Warbelow. But at the time that I was a kid, he was living in Portland, Oregon. And um, I, for some reason, got a hold of all of his CDs. And then once I discovered that I loved his music, then I got all of his, all of his band CDs. And anytime a new CD would come out, I would, I would beg my mom to go get it so I could learn all the tunes. The cool thing was that when I was 13 or 14, he came up to Fairbanks with a guitar player named Aidan Brennan. And um, I was asked with, with a couple of friends to open for the concert, which was the, the biggest moment of my life <laughs> up to that point because Kevin Burke was my, my hero. And you know basically everything that I knew about Irish fiddle playing was from his recordings, which is kind of strange because he didn't know me, of course. Um, but but he was basically kind of a teacher to me through his recording. So um, my friends and I got to open for his concert, and then uh, a few minutes into the concert, into his portion of the concert, the power went out at the university where the concert was being held, which was, of course, not an unusual situation in Fairbanks growing up. And still, sometimes the power goes out. So um, we all uh, waited a few minutes. Power didn't come back on, so we all went to the um, local coffee shop called Into the Woods. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. And we sat in circle and played tunes until late into the night. And that was probably the moment where I decided <laughs> this is this is something I, I want to do. This is, this is, it just, uh, it speaks to me in some, some deep way. So off I went from there. <laughs> from that pivotal moment, music was central to Warbelow's life. Her training led her to Boston, where she earned dual undergraduate degrees in classical violin and anthropology. She then moved to New York, where she earned a master's in urban planning and spatial data analysis, all while immersing herself in the city's traditional music scene. It was through music that Warbelow met her friend, Miriam Buell. She's really a remarkable person. Super smart. Has always been. Has always been fascinated by science, by data, by phenomenon, by all of that, So, which often goes hand in hand with music, I think. Music and math and science are, are grounded in a lot of the same things. And she 
as an artist, sees beauty in these other things. She sees beauty in the natural world and in phenomenon and even ugly beauty sometimes when you, when you, um, you know, see things happening in the world that, that don't necessarily end up being good. She is, she is drawn to understanding why, why. She's competitive in a healthy way. She likes a challenge, uh, mostly against herself, not against other people necessarily. That zeal and sense of adventure led Warbelow to a series of decisions that landed her on stage of one of Broadway's biggest productions. Once I started doing music full time, um, you know, even though New York is a big place, it's easy to make connections with people, and especially if you. If you're up for, you know, any any job that comes your way and you try to do it well, it's easy to kind of rise up in the in the ranks. So within a few years, I was asked to sub on a Broadway show called The Last Ship, which was um, the show that Sting did. And then uh, shortly after that, I got a call from the music director of Come From Away, whom, whom I didn't know I was uh, recommended for that job. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to be a part of the, the show, which at that time, didn't we didn't know if it was going to go to Broadway. Uh, there were a couple of out-of-town runs scheduled. And the first one actually was um, at a time when I had an overseas vacation planned. And I, I first told Ian, the music director, that I, that I had to decline <laughs> because I had this vacation planned. And he, um, he came back to me and he said, you know, um, we don't know each other yet, um, so you don't have any reason to, to trust what I have to say, but um, I, I think you should reconsider. Um, I think this is going to be something big and special, and, um, you know, I just 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 keep, keep that in mind, and, and I'll give you a few more days to think about it. So I'm glad he said that because I came back and said, yes, I rescheduled my vacation, and um, shortly thereafter, the out-of-town run started, uh, it was a big success, and eventually it went to Broadway, where it opened in 2017. Come From Away is a story that, uh, on first uh, hearing about it, you might not think it would make a great musical, because it's it's about all the people in the planes that were flying across the Atlantic on 9-11, and many of those planes uh, were diverted to a tiny town called Gander uh, in Canada, in Newfoundland. Um, and so the musical is about the stories um, that happened on the ground, basically, in Gander. Um, and there's, of course, uh, loss is involved, but also, um, you know, the, the overriding idea is that of people helping one another in a time of crisis. Um, so even though it's, you know, it's centered around 9-11, it's not about 9-11. And I think that's, that's kind of what has made it... Um, successful is that it, the, the focus on, is on people helping each other in bad times. Um, the fact that it is set in Gander um, meant that the writers, who are, who are also Canadians, wanted to feature the traditional music from the area. So um, the, the score has um, some actual real traditional tunes in it um, that are from the tradition, and then a lot of newly written music that is um, evocative of the tradition there. So um, we're, we were very glad as traditional musicians that they went to the trouble of actually incorporating that, that music, the tradition, rather than just going out and, you know, um, writing new music that doesn't, doesn't have too much to do with the tradition.
Come From Away became a huge hit on Broadway, garnering many nominations and winning the Tony in 2017 for Best Direction in a Musical. This production about a tragedy that impacted people across the globe would become the foundation for another worldwide event in 2020 that would change Warbelow's life and career. I think at first we we didn't fully understand the um, the scope of of what could could happen, um, but once once we started getting towards the end of February, um, I had done a bunch of traveling actually in January and February, including taking um, five members of the Broadway uh, musicians uh, and cast up to Alaska for some some shows up in Alaska, and. Um, during that whole time, we everybody was a little worried, but but I, I think we we just thought it was going to pass pass by. Everything was going to be fine. When it got to early March, was when people started getting quite worried. COVID nineteen infection rates increased, especially in New York, and the World Health Organization declared a pandemic on March eleventh, two thousand twenty. The following day, Broadway shut down. On March twelfth, we got an email around five p.m. or so saying that the show was shutting down um, and that we had two hours to get up to the theater and grab anything that we needed from the theater and then they were they were locking the whole thing down. So we went up to the theater, grabbed our instruments that were up there and um, uh, anything else we needed. It's kind of a second home for us so we have a lot of you know extra clothes and things um, to live by up there because we spend so much time there. This impacted Warbelow on more than one front. Not only was she and fellow Broadway performers out of work and facing uncertainty in the weeks ahead, but her family of traditional musicians was facing significant income losses as St. Patrick's Day celebrations were canceled. I was pacing around the house trying to figure out what to do next. Um, and I was thinking about the fact that my fellow uh, traditional Irish musicians were coming up on um, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, and all of those gigs were getting canceled very quickly. Just within the space of a few days, they all got canceled. And the thing about St. Patrick's Day for Irish musicians is that's the time where you can make a, a good amount of money. Um, you know, one of the only times it's guaranteed that you could make a bit of money for your rent. Uh, so I was thinking about all my friends who weren't weren't in the same position that I was, where I had a you know up to that point a steady job. Uh, what could I do about it? So um, I mentioned to Chris that I had an idea that maybe we should just throw throw up a website quick um, that would sell five minute video performances for for thirty bucks um, and try to get some money quickly into the hands of these musicians who were who were losing losing everything. And so within um, I guess it was within thirty hours or so. Uh, at 2 a.m. the following night, we, la- we launched the website with about 40 musicians already signed on by that point. And over that next couple of weeks, we filled um, over 100 orders, video orders, and we also started immediately doing production work. Tune Supply has grown um, pretty exponentially since that first uh, couple of weeks. At first, it was just these video performances. But in addition to that, what's actually been kind of our, our bread and butter is these online um, performances. Um, we have we've done a weekly session series um, for 
the whole the whole year. The first one was on March 19th, I believe. And the idea behind that was we we realized that we needed to take the community that exists in real life in New York in the bars and the pubs uh, at night online um, in order for the whole the whole community to to make it through and, and stick together and support each other. We have a ton of uh, special guests tonight. We have five. Um, and so we have a lot of material to get through, so we'll, we'll get going here. To get us started, we're going to have none other than Alistair White on the fiddle. Um, yeah, so here we go. All have right. fun with Alistair. Enjoy. Hello, hello, tunesters. Good evening. Uh, we've got three reels for you now. Um, the uh, first one's called Farewell to Connacht, and the uh, second is... Uh, the Ash Plant, very well-known tune, and the last one's perhaps not quite as well-known, but it's a great tune called Megetrix. Hope you enjoy them. rolled into months and the shutdown continued with no end in sight, Warbelow and her partner, Chris Rainey, expanded Tune Supply to include a number of offerings. We do these, these huge concerts, I call them epic, epic concerts because they feature up to 90 musicians at a time um, in a huge three-hour broadcast. The point of those is to get a, a regular New York City gig wage into the hands of each of the musicians who performs on the concert. Of course, that means a, a huge amount of money needs to come in in order for us to accomplish that goal. So um, we build a, a big audience for those concerts, and um, we ask for contributions, which is which is actually how everything uh, in Tunes Play is, is done, is through contributions. And uh, people are generous with their, with their contributions, and then we um, split that all up between all the musicians and, and hand that out um, afterwards. So we do quite a bit of virtual learning sorts of things. So we, we get videos of teachers teaching a tune or, or teaching some subject, um, put those up on YouTube. They're free, so people, even if you don't have any, any money to throw at this project, you can sit there and, and learn from a great musician from from Ireland or Canada or Scotland or, or America. So, uh, so it's pretty cool. Aidan Connolly is a musician and teacher who lives in Ireland. He was one of the millions around the globe who saw their livelihoods impacted by the pandemic. Tune Supply has been a financial help to him, as well as a creative and community outlet. Fortunately, um, well, through, through Tune Supply and, and also through some, some, some online fiddle teaching, um, really that uh, that uh, helps to get me through um i suppose if you're, if you're looking for silver linings uh i suppose things like tune supply where you're you know you're you're in touch with people from all over the world um and you know pe- people you know are contacting you and you, you know you're maybe they're, they're exposed more to your to your music um is sort of an indirect benefit of all this of uh, you know we're isolated but we're more connected at the same time Long-time musicians have also benefited from Tune Supply. Kevin Burke, the Irish musician whose fiddle music influenced Warbelow at a young age, has toured the globe for decades and is a recipient of a National Heritage Fellowship from the National Endowment for the Arts. 
even though members of his band, the Celtic Fiddle Festival, found themselves spread across a few countries during the pandemic, the popular group was able to present a concert in January thanks to Tune Supply. It was quite involved because uh, one guy's in Scotland, I was in Oregon, two of the guys were in France. Um, and some of the arrangements, you know, some of the musical arrangements, are uh, difficult to record separately. You know, typically we'd all be together playing, but for this project, we all had to do our bits separately. And then it was up to Caitlin and Chris to fuse it all together into a coherent, um, coherent-looking performance and sounding performance. And I have to say, they did a great job, a really great job. Part of the magic of Tune Supply is that its sessions give viewers an opportunity to enjoy the performances while also engaging with a wide community of music fans, and even playing along as if in a virtual jam session. We have built the community so broadly, as I mentioned, around the world, um, and within the community of listeners, too, uh, which is just as important sometimes. You, it, Caitlin always says, um, I think she's quoting, she may be quoting somebody else whom she had heard this from, but music needs listeners as well as musicians. And um, the, the, the community of listeners has enlarged. I now know people in Asheville and in Alaska and in, in, in Boulder and all around in Vermont that I could go to and say, hey, I remember you from the Tune Supply session because we, we all chat in the YouTube chat, so we're all checking in from various places around the, around the world. And we've gotten to become friends. And, and so I, I know if I were in any of those places, I'd say, you know, can I, can I sit in with you? Can we have a session? And anytime they're in New York, they know where to go. They know where to, I'm hoping and assuming that our Mario session will be back up and running sometime soon. And I think everybody's going to be beating a path to her, her tiny pub to, to, you know, crowd in 3 deep at the bar, our hope is, and, and enjoy um, the music and the camaraderie. Mimi Chapin of Fairbanks believes this camaraderie is best captured in the Irish term crack, spelled C-R-A-I-C. It's a general term meaning, the, it's, it's an Irish word meaning the, the chit-chat, the, the joking, the, the talk, the good time that you have just playing music and being together. You suddenly missed that that general feeling of camaraderie that you have when you get together by the tune supply. Having a week or a weekly session, or she it started out with two week weekly sessions, uh, Mondays and Thursdays. She would provide some of that chit chat in the background. You could tune in with listening to it, but you could also go along with a chat and talk to other people that were listening to it. And it provided that sense of camaraderie around the music, as well as the actual process of listening to the music that was so great. Warbelow's passion for music has taken her across the globe, where she's played in sessions, in pubs, and at festivals. She's also played in locations not typically considered musical venues, such as atop Alaskan glaciers. 
I have a long history of taking my poor violin out into the wilderness and playing music in uh, very far away and difficult to access places. My idea for doing this was I knew that tons and tons of people, well, basically the whole world, right, was stuck in, um, in our houses. And so many people like to travel, especially to Alaska in the summertime. And with everybody being stuck, you know, seeing the same scenery of their living rooms for months at a time, I thought perhaps we can kind of help uh, everyone's mental health by showing them some beautiful scenery um, up in Alaska. And uh, of course, I, I just, I love it up there. So I wanted to share my love of the state with, with the Tune Supply audience. It worked really well because this uh, mingling of music and nature that I have always kind of had as part of my life, I finally got to show it um, in a public um, context, which which was on the Tune Supply channel. So for me, it was just really, really a delight and a joy. I feel like playing music in such a gorgeous natural setting is, is just, um, how do I say it? It feels like the right thing to do. The, the nature uh, scene and the music just um, go very well together. So I think that's why I always want to take my violin wherever I'm traveling to. Hello from the Matanuska Glacier. Um, I am playing a tune on the glacier and I hope that the glacier doesn't get too upset about this. Um, I was trying to think of a tune to play and the only tune that came to my mind is one that doesn't really have a name that fits the setting at all. Um, this tune is called Patty on the Landfill. Obviously this is not a landfill, this is about as far away from a landfill as you could get, but um, the vibe of the tune I think matches the dramatic scenery. So I'll play that a few times through and then take a look around at this beautiful spot. Warbelow's fascinating career, including her success with Tune Supply, can certainly be attributed to the passion she has for music and those who enjoy it. But there's more at play beneath the surface. The music that surrounds her is often hundreds of years old, passed down through generations by musicians who view themselves as not just practitioners, but also as caretakers of the tradition. If somebody is passing down something to you that's significant to them, you'll look after it. Um, so I think that that sense of value and just, you know, cultivating something that, that has been there for a long time um, makes you careful with it and makes you want to, want, want to, to share it with, with other people in a, in a responsible way and presenting it correctly. Um, now, that's not to say that you don't experiment with it or, or develop, but there is a sense of uh, also, you know, communicating the thing properly that you got so that the next generation can, can also benefit from that well. I think there's a timeless quality to it. And I think it's, it's um, there's a social context that um, is uh, very attractive to a lot of people. And musically, it can be as simple or as ornate as you wish, you know. These these tunes that we play can survive in a very simple form, but then a lot of people add a lot of artistry and skill and um, 
turned them into um, mini works of art, you know. And I, I think uh, I think that's part of the appeal as well. There's something really special about just getting together and making music, getting together and making noise. You know, I mean, when you see little kids walking down the street in New York and they hear a, a sidewalk musician, what is it that they do? They run right to the music. Toddlers will run right to it and then start to dance. Nobody has to tell them. They're, they're dropping their butts and they're squatting around and they're waving their hands. That is what we do. When you hear that that lovely music and all of a sudden there's a key change and they go into something new, that's, that's really exciting. There's something really alive about that. It's a, it's a great thing to be a part of creating the culture of traditional music, creating music, creating a community. I think music um, has always been something that people go to um, both in times of, of happiness and also in times of, of sadness and grief. And it's it's very built into our our brains to um, you know to go to go to music. It's one of the as I understand it, one of the first um, things that developed in in humanity was um, our ability to sing and and communicate with music. So I, I think it's just a very very deep held um, sort of uh, art form that that we go to at at, at all different times. This podcast is a companion to the written series Heart of Community, which you'll find in the pages of Rural Light magazine. Read them in your local copy of the magazine or visit RuralLight.com. That's R-U-R-A-L-I-T-E dot com. Our show, as well as the magazine series, is made possible in part by the generous and thoughtful support of the M.J. Murdoch Charitable Trust. You can learn more about their significant work at murdochtrust.org. Heart of Community is a production of Pioneer Utility Resources. Our producer is Stephen B. Smith, our editor, Leon Espinoza. The series narrator is yours truly, Chastity Anderson. Sarah Wooten is our associate producer. Our engineer is Lucas Smith of Lucky Sound Studio. A special thanks to the writers who brought these stories to life in print, along with those whose voices and music you hear in this program. The series would not be possible without their help. Thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. And please share these important stories with someone who needs to be uplifted, encouraged, and inspired. For that, after all, is the mission of the arts and the heart of our community.